0: It is another thing, whether you are aware of it or not. Intimacy means exposing yourself before a stranger. We are all strangers. Nobody knows anybody. We are even strangers to ourselves because we don't know who we are. Intimacy brings you close to an stranger. You have to drop all your defenses. Only then intimacy is possible. And the fear is that if you drop your all defenses, all your masks who knows what the stranger is going to do with you? We are all hiding thousand and one things, not only from others but from ourselves, because we have been brought up by sick humanity, with all kinds of repressions, inhibition, taboos, and the fear is somebody who is a stranger And it does not matter, you may have lived with the person for thirty years, forty years. The strangeness never disappears. It feels safer to keep a little defense a little distance because somebody can take advantage of your weaknesses, of your frailties, of your vulnerabilities.
1: It's the 19-frickin'-90s, September 11th hasn't happened, and I have a loft on Broadway and Canal. And it's basically my college friend Roby, this guy named Chad, and Val. Val is from England, very handsome, shaved head, and just totally delightful. He's in theater, but like a lot of artists, mostly he's working at this West Village restaurant called Moomba. Now Moomba at this time is the coolest restaurant downtown. He's having a real moment. Val decides that we need to throw a party. But you know, I got some reservations too. The only event I put on there were a few sparsely, like tumbleweed blowing through the loft art openings. The last art opening I'd done, we actually got one visitor in two hours. Now Val tells me this is, this is not going to be the case, and he can do a lot of planning, so sure, fine. All this ended up meaning this planning is telling his friends and asking a Haitian drum circle to play the party. Also, a PA system, a DJ of some kind, and some liquor. Now, night of the party comes, I feel pretty sick, actually. I'm running a temperature, and I feel slow. But I have adrenaline that's going to keep me on my feet. And with the lights dim, I'm happily surprised to see that the loft is becoming populated. You know, it's a nice number. It's respectable. And honestly, I can't help but keep track of whose people are actually coming to the party. I know, whose people are actually here? And the early returns show that I'm well in the lead. It's actually my people at the party. Co-workers from the German-American Chamber of Commerce where I work, college friends, art world friends. And I, I distinctly remember thinking, wow, where's Val's crew? This is around 10 o'clock. And then I realized, wait, where's Val? He hasn't even shown up yet. This is when the Haitian Drum Circle group arrives. It's like six or seven of them in pirate's clothing and they have an aura about them and it'd be great to avoid cliches here but let's be honest the only word that applies is voodoo they set up and drums begin sounding and this moment is the actual beginning of the party heretofore that wasn't a party that was a gathering but now the drums are sounding and the signal has gone out and this is when it went from a respectable turnout to an all-out rager it's like an invasion. One load after another comes coughing out of the elevator. A steady stream moves in from the staircase like carpenter hands. A couple of yo-yos somehow get lifted to the fire escape and come up that way. And of course, Val is here now. He's the center of the brewing hurricane. And I watch it all happen, just going through that brief moment of exhilaration at having a maybe notable party to a really quick desperation that though it isn't there yet, no doubt it is going to be out of control momentarily. At the same time, my sickness, my fever, which I've been able to starve off with polite conversation, starts to get the better of me. Now, a couple things I should have mentioned before. One, I'm not really a party guy. You know, I'm not going to get drunk enough not to be aware of safety issues that might arise during the night. Also, I'm the leaseholder here. Anything happens... It's legally going to be on me. So as the place gets more and more jammed, I realize that maybe my entire future hangs in the balance here. It's at this point that I'm trying to talk to a friend, and the crowd is so packed that it actually carries him off. The movement of the people is too much, and we get separated. It's like a scene from a film when refugees are jamming up a train station and the person you're with just gets pulled away from you. Meanwhile, the current carrying me carries me to the front, and this is where I see what has to be 25 people out on the fire escape. A couple of them are swinging off the bars like acrobats. The party has gone intergalactic. Now the noise is just drawing scores of random people in off the street. It's not going to end. It's critical mass. The DJ is now fully in charge. The front room where I am is jammed with dancers, if you can call it that. More like people jumping up and down. I feel the floor under me buckle. Not just buckle up and down, but roll like waves from the force on it. You gotta understand that this loft has a floor, it's barely a floor, it's a subfloor. A couple of times in the middle of the day I actually put my foot through a floorboard. And now it's rolling like the sea. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is it. If I'm lucky, I'll die along with everyone else. I'm also thinking, where though is the NYPD? For Christ's sakes, you could hear us 10 square blocks. People are scaling the building. Bottles are being tossed down on Broadway. And not one, not one cop looks up and thinks, whoa, maybe I need to check that out. I'm standing there, my fever going well past 100 now, trying to think. Basically, I want to call the cops on my own party. Get it shut down. Only this is before I have a cell phone. There's just no way in the world I'm going to be able to get to the landline phone and be heard above all this terrible noise. Actually, I do make a pass at it. I kind of try to get on one of the currents that's going to take me back and I see that phone, it was a red landline phone, and I'm kind of passing it, and I almost reach out to get it. But the crowd just carries me to the back now. And now I'm at the back, and I'm right in front of my bedroom. And I locked it from the outside. I unlock the bedroom, and I go in, and I sit on the bed. I just try to get a hold of myself. My friend Leslie comes in. We shut the door, and I'm just telling her, Leslie, I felt the floor rolling out there. Like, I don't think that this space is going to be here in the morning. And I got a fever. And I'm sick. And I think this is it for me. When morning comes, I just don't think there's going to be a floor here. And I'm going to be in all kinds of trouble. It's going to be the end for me. And she tries to cheer me up, but I actually know what I felt. I know that I'm right. At a certain point, I just kind of um, lay to him. The party is just going as strong as ever. Although I have to say, in my room it feels so safe. Like there's this war going on outside, but I'm safe inside the bedroom and I'm so sick now. I've just got mucus coming out of my mouth and my ears and my nose. I'm running so hot and I just lay down and I just kind of meditate on what might happen. And I kind of actually start making deals with myself. Well, what if, what if the floor collapses but no one dies? I mean, how much trouble would I be in for that? That probably wouldn't be too much trouble. And why would anyone die? There's no one underneath us. It's a, it's a showing, sewing factory, so no one's going to die. It's going to be trouble. It's probably going to take 10, 12 years out of my life. But I'm not going to go to jail for it. I just won't have any kind of financial future again. And as I'm kind of thinking these thoughts and trying to kind of split the difference between a total apocalypse and a manageable apocalypse, I just kind of drift off to sleep. That's one thing I've always been able to do is go to sleep. And then morning comes. It's as if I had been struck with the plague and suddenly wake up the next day and I'm alive. I push out from my room, and even now, at like 9:30 the next morning, there's still like a lot of people there, they're, but they're all asleep. There's people in corners asleep. There's people face down asleep. This one guy, Alfredo Martinez, is a downtown legend. I swear to God, I thought he was dead. I poked him probably for 10 minutes before he woke up. That was a beautiful Sunday morning. came in through the front and the light was so beautiful and the place smelled stale but the floor was still there. We did it. Don't ask me how, but we did it. We have escaped the valley. We have escaped the valley. We are no longer in the custody of luxury. We're free. We're free for the austerity. We're up here in the high mountain. It's cold. It feels so cold. The food is scarce. The water is hard to come by, but we feel so free. We're on our own. Now, stay tuned because from one to two in the next hour, my wife and critical thinker, Source of Vitality, Robin Cody, will be joining us on the air for the second hour. And we'll be talking about in the second half of the show on the theme of vows. Now, it might surprise you what we talk about because it's not just going to be wedding vows. it can be all kinds of vows. So stay tuned for that. And meanwhile, enjoy underneath us, and you may know this beat and you may know this bass line, something from a blast from my childhood, the Lido Shuffle by Boss Skeggs.
2: Tito missed the boat that day he left the shack. But that was all. He